Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, baby. Come on. Let's get it. Let's spin her up. Come on, baby. Kick them tires. What's the name of this character? Jeffro. Jeffro. Is the last name Roe? No, Jeffro is a first name. Okay. And the last No, I don't have a last name. Kick them tires, baby. Come on, ask you real nice. Have you ever kicked a tire? I have out of frustration when mm. my when my team lost <laughs> the game I needed them to win. And you were like, oh shucks. And I said kicked that no, tire. No, I said shit. Whoa. Yeah, I said shit and I kicked my tire so hard that the car exploded. Um, and I regret that. Like, I know that anger is regressive. It doesn't get you what you actually want. Mm-hmm. It only makes it digs the hole even deeper. I think that's an ancient proverb. Let me tell you something that might be useful for you. Okay. When you feel so mad and you want to roar, oh, just take a deep breath and count to four. Oh, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I watched that episode of Daniel Tiger. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it to heart as much as the Potties Everywhere song. They have a song on <laughs> Daniel Tiger about there's potties everywhere. There's potties for us to share, which makes it, if I'm a kid and I'm learning how to potty yeah, train it, it's like, scary. wait, you're saying like there's potties, we're supposed to use them at the same time? Yeah. Um, but for me as an adult, like that brings me a lot of comfort. There are potties everywhere. And mm-hmm. as an IBS sufferer, those are words <laughs> of great comfort. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, this is a show where we talk about good stuff. So um, do you want to tell me a small wonder that you're into? A small wonder is that eyebrows are back, baby. Whoa. <laughs> so you probably weren't aware. Okay. But in the 90s, around Friends era. Oh, yeah. You you really didn't want eyebrows. Yeah, that you shit wanted had to be invisible. You as thin as possible. Yeah. And this was challenging for me, a woman that has been gifted with- Blessed, I would say. Yes, great eyebrows. Tremendous eyebrows. A lot of eyebrow. And I waited. I waited patiently. Like two big mustaches over your eyes. <laughs> I waited patiently for a very long time. And now, eyebrows are in. Eyebrows are back, man. Yeah, they've, just been, look they've been back for a little while. And I got nervous that it was just like, you know, a quick Ugg boot like phase. Yeah. But no, they're still back. What do you think kicked this off? What do you think was the. Oh, geez. The I thing? mean, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the work of Anne Hathaway, but I'd have to think she helped a little she bit. She was definitely involved. I think yeah. Game of Thrones has a lot of assertive brows yeah. in there. That's, and I think that, that's fair. Uh, people are into that show still. Mm-hmm. The resurgence of Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo is very hot right now. Very, very hot. hot. Very hot. Um, I can talk about my small wonder. Yes. I saw the Detective Pikachu movie. I saw it in theaters with my two and a half year old son. It was his first movie and it was Rachel and I were, I was kind of terrified to do this uh, because it was a solo adventure. Well, we'd, it was me and Henry. We'd already had a conversation that like, okay, you know what? If he wants to bail after 10, 15 minutes, take him out in the lobby. Can I say now though? Maybe try a second time. That was bullshit. If he had, if he had freaked out and wanted to leave, I would have. <laughs> It would have broken my heart. Um, no, I, I thought it would be like a good. He's aware of uh, Pikachu's work, his body of work. He does. Um, he does, in fact, know the name Pikachu. He knows Pikachu and he knows Psyduck. And really, you Psyduck can now. you can get there with just those two. But we saw it in the theaters, and it was my first time taking into the theater, and it was such an incredible like like parenting experience. That like, that part was really nice. Like sharing a big bag of popcorn yeah. with him was like good stuff. And then the movie was like good. It was it was very. Uh, cute and fun and enjoyable and probably the best video game movie 
um, which is not. Yeah, a I very think it made bar. you a little uncomfortable with how good it was. It made me a little uncomfortable with like how much I was like, I'm not a closet, you know, Pokemon fan, but uh, <laughs> I am in the sense that I did not think I would be going to see this movie in theaters, but I did, and I'm glad I did. It's a yeah. fun flick. Yeah. It's a fun flick. Hopefully the first of many. It's exciting to think that when it becomes available to rent, or mm. I guess in our case, purchase, uh, we will have it. We for will have it. You and Henry to watch again. I just remembered I actually did see Pokemon the first movie. Uh, that's the title of the film when it came stateside. I did see that in theaters. And now that I have thought about that, I'm going to definitely buy that on Apple so that we can watch that with our son ASAP. Because now this is a project for me. Oh, God. Uh, what's your first thing? You don't have notes. Can we talk about yeah. that? Rachel's flying without a net, and that's exciting for me. <laughs> so I printed out notes at work, and what I usually do is I fold that piece of paper in half, and I put it in my purse. Like a permission slip. I looked in my purse, and it was not there. Not sure what happened to it. Check my car. Not there either. Hamburglar. That's okay, though, because I feel pretty good about my retention. Okay. First thing, mm-hmm. Texas toast. This is the big toast, man. The big toast it's that big toast obviously i'm a big fan of it um because it's a also a bed (laughs) so when i was growing up very picky eater uh always could count on bread though bread never steered me wrong Mm. right like if i went to a thanksgiving or a christmas let's say and there was a bunch of meats that i wasn't familiar with I could count on bread. Who was bringing unfamiliar meats to the well, Christmas party? Well, I didn't party? eat a lot of ham or turkey in the off season, if you think about it. Oh, yeah, it's And fair. then all of a sudden on the holidays, all, you've got these huge birds in front of you or this huge pig, and you're like, oh, this is not the way I'm used to seeing meat. I mean, were they roasting hogs? No, but a, right. a ham is pretty large. That's a big boy, yeah. I'm used to lunch meat. I'm not used to just a big old thing of ham. We got an Easter ham, and that shit was... It's very delicious. It was good, but it, man, it lasted f- f- for two. No. It overstayed its welcome in my diet, I would say. <laughs> uh, and so when I encounter Texas toast, that's just bigger bread. That's yeah. just something I like and making it bigger. It, it, I tell you what, I, I don't traditionally care for like a thick slice of bread. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I get a sandwich especially, it's like two thick slices of bread and like I, you can't put much more in that without my mouth having to do like too much work, right? But Texas Toast, they managed to keep it so like soft and it's usually mm-hmm. just doused in an irresponsible amount of butter and garlic yeah, and shit. exactly. So so basically it's just bigger white bread. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, there the, a, was there a question about that? The origin story. Uh, and this may just be an example of a restaurant really trying to take credit for something, but there is a location called The Pig Stand, and in 1941, supposedly the manager asked a local break bakery for bread with a thicker slice, and when it arrived, couldn't fit it in the toaster. So they put it on the grill, <laughs> <laughs> put it on the grill with some butter. You are a bad business person. <laughs> Yeah, let me get the, hey, you ever cut them slices real thick? Well, no, it wouldn't fit in a, do it, do it for me. Everything's bigger, yeehaw. Oh, shit. Oh, man. So they threw it on the grill with a whole bunch of butter on both sides, and uh, the Texas toast phenomenon was born. All right. In 1941. Okay, I believe, I mean, that was post-World War II. We were starting to get some food science going. We were starting to get explore what the, the riches of victory had brought us. So the original location for Texas Toast was in Beaumont, Texas. It was demolished in 2016. Too much toast, it fell over. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, let me make the biggest slice of toast yeah, right. ever. Slice it thicker. 
Well, but we're not even slicing it anymore. It's just an entire loaf. Oh my God, the ground <laughs> caved in. It was too thick, man. There is apparently one final pig stand left in San Antonio. All right. Let's get there. Uh, so you can also, for those of you that are uh, not located in Texas. Uh, what you, are you doing, right? You can you can find Texas toast in the like frozen garlic bread variety. Right. Uh, which is actually a New York company that makes it. Uh, New York City. There it is. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, that makes it less fun for me yeah, when you sorry. know I'm going to do it. I just, I specifically, I specifically waited. I paused for that one. In my defense, anytime anybody says the word New York City, uh, even when you're not talking about something in comparison with Texas, I always have to say it like that. I know, I so know. So funny, so fucking funny. It's always good. Yeah. Uh, it's like my wife, you know. What's that? Uh, it's it's a thing people say sometimes, like when you use the word wife, sometimes they'll reference this uh, this movie. Oh, from Cheers? Uh-huh. From Cheers. Norm, Norm would come in and they would say, Norm, and then he would respond, my wife. <laughs> you see, Norm was a time traveler. <laughs> he was a time thief. And um, uh, I tell you, I wasn't aware of the non i think the first time i had like true texas toast yeah. and not the frozen garlic bread variety yes. was actually at a uh, county line here oh. here in austin it's a barbecue joint oh it's a thick slice holy shit it's a thick slice and you can buy it by the loaf which is mm-hmm. hot as hell give me that option at every restaurant i will mm-hmm. take it every time yeah i think i will eat a loaf of bread but sir that's traditionally Something you would take home from the grocery <laughs> store, and he's like, "No, I think I'll eat the whole I think loaf. I'll eat it right now. Thank you. It's very sweet." Um. Yes. Yeah, so that's. I mean, that's that's Texas toast. It's a, it's a simple concept, right? Uh, most states don't have their own bread, though. Did you know that? <laughs> well, I was trying to think. One, there's not. Mm-hmm. There's just Texas toast. Mm-hmm. When I was in Missouri, it wasn't like there was, you know, like like Missouri waffles. Well, that's yeah. a, um, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but in in college, there was a lot of gro- like gross, like dude humor, and they would talk about Missouri waffles as like a sexual Oh, could you thing. describe what that is to me? Uh, a Missouri waffle? Yeah, what's a Missouri waffle, Griffin? Well, hold on. Let me turn the microphones off because it's really gross. Okay. Okay. So first of all, you have to be in Missouri to do it. I think I left the microphone on. <laughs> okay, once you get to Missouri with your sexual partner, uh-huh. uh, you're going to get a... What? <laughs> this is not as funny as I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, so Missouri, for example, is the show-me state, so there could be some kind of well, show-me Well, you didn't let me finish. Element. You didn't okay, let me finish. Sorry, sorry. Once you're in Missouri, you have you to go to Missouri. You do have to be in Missouri to do it. Uh-huh. And then what happens? What's the? Where does the waffle come in? Well, hold on. I'm getting to okay, it. Okay. You go to an IHOP, and then you make love in the IHOP bathroom. You're right. This is not funny. <laughs> so were there a lot of folks in West Virginia saying like, oh, man, that girl and I, we totally drove all night to Missouri <laughs> to have yeah. sex in an IHOP. <laughs> Real Missouri waffle. No, sorry, I'm sorry. A waffle house. A waffle house. It was a waffle house. I when you did okay. it when you did it in an IHOP, it was called. Don't you have waffle houses in West Virginia? Yeah, but it's not called a fucking West Virginia waffle. <laughs> okay, okay. What's a West Virginia waffle? People fucking the waffle house in West Virginia all the time. It's like not a name. We don't have a name for it. Oh, it's okay. just like okay. breathing. It's just like mm-hmm. air for us. 
You fuck in the Waffle House. Mm-hmm. You swing by Jolly Pirate Donuts because you don't eat at the Waffle House because people do some mm-hmm. stuff there. <laughs> yeah. uh, can I do my first thing? Yes. Sports. You excited? You did this to me. You've turned me into a real sports man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You've made me watch a lot of... I've watched the most... Consistently, the most sports I think I've ever watched in my life over the last month. The St. Louis Blues made it through two rounds of the playoffs. They're now in the Western Conference Final with San Jose Sharks. Yeah. So we we have been watching a lot of hockey. Yeah. I don't want to comment on where that game was when we came up here to record the show because... We don't know. We don't know. We're not uh, talking about it. Man, hockey kicks ass. Hockey's such a fun sport. Um, but anyway, I want to talk about buzzer beaters, buzzer beat, buzzer beaters, buzzer beaters are good as hell. And I am not a huge basketball fan, like by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think it's a very fun sport, but like, I don't have much interest in all sports put together. So it's nothing personal basketball, but the, the, the concept of basketball allows for buzzer beaters. And I think that makes it actually a very good sport. I wanted to talk about this because, uh, the NBA playoffs are happening right now. Uh, I believe last night it was game seven of a playoff series between the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. Score was tied 90-90 with like six seconds left on the clock. And um, uh, Raptors get possession. They pass it to uh, Cowie Leonard. I may have mispronounced his first name. If I did, I apologize. Uh, He gets the ball with like four and a half seconds left. And he just runs all the way around the three-point line and just like dives out of bounds. And as he's diving, he puts up a shot that bounces Four times on the rim before it goes oh in. Oh my god! And that whole time, like the the entire place is just like dead silent, <laughs> and everybody stops. And he actually, like, after the first bounce, he crouches down and gets really low because he's out of bounds at this point. So he's trying to see like if it's going to go in. And it takes like two and a half seconds for this fucking ball to go in. And then when it does, the city of Toronto like wow. explodes uh, because that that sends him to the next round. It was so exciting and so good and uh, it made me realize it was the first uh, buzzer beater in game seven of NBA in in NBA history Um, it was very 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 hot Um, and it made me realize buzzer beaters are really exciting and amazing Um, and I think for me and I think this the reason why this was such an exciting buzzer beater is because for me it's all about the moments between when the ball leaves the player's hand which it has to do before the buzzer goes off um And when it, you know, either goes in the basket or misses, Uh, because at that point, it feels like you can't do anything else. Even (laughs) like if you're a player, like obviously you can't do anything else. But like as a viewer from home, I feel like there is this deep, deep part of your soul watching a sports event that you're invested in where you do feel like you are somehow involved in the outcome of the event. Yeah, I guess that is that is a phenomenon that really should have a name if it doesn't already. Yeah. And even if it's not like, oh, I'm superstitious, I still have the thought of my it's a fucking Schrodinger's cat thing. My viewing of this game is like, you know, sticking a pin on its place in the in the universe. But when the ball has left the player's hand and it's sailing towards the hoop like that's it and now it's just the ball like now it's just up to the ball whatever the ball is going to do is going to decide what happens next mm-hmm. and that's very exciting to me that lock yeah. that, that loss of like complete control 
Let's just see what happens. Oh, you know what else is like that is like when a quarterback throws a football. Like I was going to say super far. A Hail Mary pass. This yeah. is this is the only other. I was looking up buzzer beaters. Wikipedia says that hockey has buzzer beaters. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it was like, it's when the puck goes past the goal line when there's still time on the clock. Because if it doesn't go past the goal line with at least 0.1 seconds yeah. left, it, it doesn't count. I've that's seen not a lot a, of. That's not a buzzer beater. I've seen a lot of replays, though, where they're trying to figure out if it went in before the, the you know, the, yeah, the sure. Buzzer sounded. That's that is a you know that's but a close. Right. It's, it's a close like, one. It's not like it's like suspended, yeah. and and that's why the hail mary doesn't. Obviously, like a hail mary pass to win the game is like amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like second only to a you know kickoff return touchdown yeah. to win the game. Uh, that's amazing. But there is a human on the other end of that pass that still has to decide what happens next. Buzzer beater in basketball is just like good luck, good luck, my baby. Good luck, my friend. Go in the hole for me, please. I'm conflicted about how I feel about the other team's reaction to it. Because I don't think it's like, it's obviously a surprise and it's obviously bad because, oh no, we lost. But maybe it's, I'm not, uh, it's not schadenfreude, but I feel like seeing one unit of people like lose their minds with excitement of this legendary thing that's just happened and seeing the opposite group of people just go like, ah, fuck, really? Because that's almost always the reaction. It's not like, oh, no, it happened. It's always like, really? That one? Really? We lost? Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, you could, I watched a lot of like compilations of buzzer beaters today, which like I'm not a sports highlights guy, but I'll watch a 30 yeah, minute long YouTube video yeah. of buzzer beaters. Everyone had that exact thing of the person who shot the buzzer beater, like instantly like sprinting a victory lap around the, the, the stadium while people are like chasing after him while everybody else on the other team just like puts their arms down like, wow, really? Huh, okay. <laughs> I think that softens it for me. Um, yeah. Buzzer beaters. Obviously, my only like connection, I've never performed a buzzer beater myself, save for in NBA Jam, which is very satisfying, very exciting. When my Charlotte Hornets, which was the team I played as exclusively for some, oh yeah, why? Oh yeah, why did? Well, because they said they had the second highest stats right behind the Chicago Bulls. And I feel like if you play as the Chicago Bulls in NBA Jam, you're kind of a dick. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be Scottie Pippen. Oh, you are? Okay, cool. (laughs) Let's play Mortal Kombat. I'll be Godzilla. Is that easy? Yeah, so I just got a few of those, and those are exciting. And I imagine it's like magnitudes better when you actually do Mm -hmm. one. Well, and then there's, you know, baseball when. it's that last uh, last pitch. Oh yeah, that last pitch when the boomer gets up there. Yeah, and puts some salami on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's some baseball mayonnaise on that bad boy, and smacks it right back into. Oh, I love baseball mayonnaise. Oh, you gotta get the salami and smash that big old <laughs> nut out of the field of dreams, baby. Right in your freaking neighbor's window. Do you know what I'm saying? When the boomer gets up there, fucking mm-hmm. forget about it. Mm-hmm. With his big bat they let him use, yeah. he's going to get the salami on it every time. I know. And I don't know why they let him use the big bat. I know. Well, because he's the boomer. He's the boomer. And it does say boomer on it. Uh-huh. And every time they do it, they get over the PA and they're like, boomer did a slam job. And everybody has to like do the boomer mm-hmm. dance. <laughs> it just feels like the sport has really become exclusively about the boomer. Yeah. Well, and the salami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his special trademark salami. That's the only thing you can get in the stadium. Mm-hmm. The baseball mayonnaise. It doesn't go well together. This, can we steal us away? <laughs> 
Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom (laughs) gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, This this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain can i tell you a jumbotron yes I got one here for Meg, and it's from Morgie, who says, Happy belated birthday to my wonderful cousin Meg, and congratulations on your new house. I think it is so special that we can share this podcast together and talk about things that make us happy. I'm so lucky to have you in my life for guidance, fun times, and lots of love. What is my small wonder? Cousins who are more like older sisters. Love you lots, Morgie. Love you lots, Morgie. Love you lots, Morgie. This is like the Hamilton letter, the comma. What's it mean? What's going on there? Who loves who? What is it? Who is it? When? Who does the love, baby? Uh, Do you remember who, that Black Eyed Peas song? Who does the love? Who does the love? People dying, people yelling, people sad and people dying. And we don't know where it is. The rest is still unwritten. <laughs> Wow. That's miraculous. Happy birthday, Meg. Happy birthday, Meg. (laughs) Can I read the next message? I wish you would. This message is for Alex. It is from Monique. To Alex, who knew that our Tinder back in 2017 would blossom into something so wonderful and beautiful? Thank you for almost two years of love, 
kindness, and friendship, and I can't wait for the f- what the future holds for us. Love always, Monique. This is great. This cyber web, the information superhighway is bringing people together in all these different ways, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Why did they call it Tinder with an I and not Tinder with an E? Because done that, wouldn't that to you suggest more like it's Tinder here? Tender. Mm. Yeah. It's tender here. Well, I feel like tender doesn't suggest like a fun party app, you know? Right. And I don't think tender with an I suggests a fun party app. I think it suggests like, well, like it's tin- like a fire, it- like tinder. Sure. Like to, getting ready to start a fire and you need your tinder. Well, if I would rather be set on fire or touched tenderly, I think I'd go for the oh, latter one. See, so. I would rather be set on fire. Okay. Our love languages are very different. <laughs> Hey, I'm Janet Varney, and like many of you, some more recent than others, I used to be a teenager. In fact, just about all of my friends were too, including wonderful women like Alison Brie. I'm dead center on the balance beam, and this is like a big gym, all the kids' parents are there watching, I have to stop, like you know when you have to pee so bad and you can't even move, and then I just go, I just pee. Right in the middle of the high balance beam. (laughs) So join me every week on the JV Club podcast where I speak with complicated, funny, messy humans as we reminisce about our adolescences and how they led us to becoming who we are. Find it every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, what's your second thing? My second thing is Sigrid. I thought for, and I I can't wait to did hear from you. Think I was going to say cigarettes. I'm, you did basically. Sigrid, Sigrid. <laughs> okay, yes, but I just want to know from the audience who thought Rachel was about to bust out <laughs> a good like twelve minutes on how dope these great great tobacco logs oh, my are. My parents would have been so shocked. Yeah. I mean, Rachel fucking burns down no. heaters day in, day out. No. Uh, she's always just chuffing that, that stinky stuff. No. Um, <laughs> just yellow stained fingers. And she's got all those camel bucks that you use to buy all those fun hats and can stuff. You, I don't think you can do that anymore. I think that's so legal. Camel bucks? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I hope not. Or else my retirement plan is <laughs> fucked. I would love you to go to Bank of America with just an envelope full of camel bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to open an account. <laughs> Sir, you're the worst smelling. That's the worst smelling envelope I've ever smelled in my life. It smells like actual hell, what I think it smells like. Uh, Sigrid. Yes. 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 She is a Norwegian singer, uh, 22 years old. And she, her first full length album just came out in March. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because yeah. I know she had the, the, the songs that you sent me today. I had not heard mm-hmm. of her until today. And holy shit, she's very good. Yeah. She had a few EPs. Okay. Uh, she got signed in 2016 and released a few EPs before the first album. Okay. Uh, and she uh, has kind of cited some influences that I think you'll hear right away, like uh, Robin. Oh, yeah, example. for sure. Uh, I've also read comparisons to Florence and the Machine uh, and Regina Spector, which is another good one. You sent this to me and you're like, if you like Carly Rae Jepsen, you'll like this. Exactly. So that's my thought. So she does like a synth pop, kind of like a real like ballady, like anthem kind of stuff. I guess not really ballad, but anthemy. Anthemy for sure. Yeah. 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 Anthemy Um, would be a good name. Oh, yeah. Anthony McElroy. Yeah, that would be good. I noticed while I was driving your car 
uh, to the lows. Uh-oh. Well, no, you just had the radio turned on, which is like not a judgment, but like I typically just listen to podcast day in and day out, which Henry loves. He is very, very, very invested in <laughs> in Night Vale. Um, th- but every song that came on the radio station that you were on was all anthems. It's the apparent. Oh, it was like yeah. a, it was like a Panic at the Disco song that was like. A, a anthem about Saturday night, I guess. And then Imagine Dragons, I think I heard two songs in a row from them that's like, I'm thunder and lightning. It's like, everybody must be inspired as fuck right now. Everybody must be ready to like go to war right now because of all these power ballads. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what exactly about our times. I mean, it's probably just the ne- people feel the need to really you know rise above and an yeah, anthem is yeah. a good way to do it no yeah the the backstreet boys that was a that was a time of peace that was a time of, <laughs> that was a time of great serenity mm-hmm. but now we gotta fucking gird it gird it up uh so every year bbc does a like sound of 2018 sound of 2019 uh and Previous winners have included like Mika and Haim and Adele, and uh, 2018 was Sigrid. Wow! Yeah, so she's she's really she's really making a name for herself. So I wanted to play one of the songs I really like off of one of her EPs before this album came out called High Five. She looks incredibly, incredibly young. If you watch like her videos, um, she looks like she's like 17 years old. And maybe it's because the video for High Five is actually like in a high, high school. school yeah. She comes from kind of a, a musical family, but she like dropped out of college and decided like she was really going to pursue it and found somebody and just started writing music and all of a sudden is enormous. Uh, mostly in Europe, not not over here yet. But. I think she is. I think it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, Robin never penetrated necessarily like the yeah. mainstream music consciousness, despite the fact that like she's writing some of the best like pop songs of this decade. Um, but yeah, I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, so her new album is called Sucker Punch, uh, and it came out as I mentioned March 2019. Uh, debuted number one on the Norwegian charts and at number four on English, Irish, and Scottish charts. Uh, and I wanted to play a song. So this is actually a song that uh, she released on a, as a single in 2017, and it's called Don't Kill My Vibe. Uh, and it's a song that she wrote in response to a writing session she was having. She felt like there were people in the room that weren't really being supportive of her as a songwriter because she's very young. Uh, and so she like left and thought like, that's it. I'm going to like forget about it. And apparently like called her mom and her mom was like, no, you get back in there and you do this. Maybe something good will come out of it. And then she wrote this song and it's incredible. Yeah. The original title was Eat My Shorts Dweebs, but then she changed it. (laughs) I try to play it nice at all. Uh, 
Uh, so I'm really excited about her. I feel I, it does give me that kind of Carly Rae, like pop anthem, like, you know, I'm going to like take over the world kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I have a softness for that. Um, it does remind me of the, like the same feeling with like uh, Florence and the Machine, kind of like this, uh, you know, I'm turning it all around kind of music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else <laughs> Let's to describe go, it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can I talk about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is also a musician named Judy Sill, uh, who I, I have not talked about on the show before. I think uh, I posted a picture of our new record wall. We we bought these like cool record shelves that like stick to the wall. So you can put up like 15 albums over your record player. And I had a Judy Sill one. Yeah. On there. Griffin found that on Etsy, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's very, 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 mm-hmm. very slick. Uh, and people were commenting like, oh, shit, I love Judy Sill. And I didn't realize like I, that there was that wide of a um, an audience for her music because she is a she was a folk artist from like the 70s that n- didn't, for whatever reason, like just didn't take off in the way that like a Joni Mitchell did. Despite the fact that I think like her work is just as sort of like culturally yeah, important for sure. and like musically great. I, I don't know. I feel like I have hesitated to talk about her on the show because I did... Uh, uh, her her background is kind of similar to Nick Drake's in a way. And so, like, mm-hmm. I didn't want people to think I'm, like, glorifying yeah. the, like, oh, their life was so tortured, but so much beauty came out of it. Because yeah. that's bullshit and exploitative. Um, well, that's kind of, I mean, the odds when you're an artist are a little bit higher to have kind of a tragic story, I feel like, because you are... You are living a hard existence, you know? Yeah, hers was pretty bad, though. Uh, But before we get to that, if you've never heard Judy Sill before, uh, I want you to hear what is probably her, like, most recognized song. There have been a bunch of covers of it. The Hollies did a cover of it that's probably the better-known version of the song, but her original version, like, blows me away. Uh, It's called Jesus Was a Crossmaker. This song is so fucking good. I remember the first time you played it for me and just being like, oh my gosh, like you you like want to listen to it again immediately. It's so good. It is yeah. good from a performance standpoint. Like her voice is incredible. And on both her albums, they did this just layering of, it sounds like it's like a chorus effect in the mix, but it's actually her like singing over the same lines four times and the precision with which she does oh. so that you can't really see. That's not like an uncommon thing from back in the air, but like she nails it so hard. Her voice is so gorgeous. But like, like this idea and also the the uh, the like structure of it is it's just like the same verse like uh set up it's like hallelujah in that way where it's just like uh you know you look at the lyrics on a page and they follow like literally the same map throughout the entirety of the song um but the phrase jesus was a cross maker is so like I don't know. The idea of describing somebody's like self-defeating habits like that yeah. is like so poignant. I never really thought about. I never really thought about that. Like what the mean the, yeah. the meaning of yeah. Um, and she wrote it about like an ex of hers who was like part of her, uh, part of her like musical entourage, and then I guess things went things went sour, and the impulse to like return to him is like ah shit. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but Jesus was a crossmaker. Um, and I don't know, I think the thing that stuck out to me about this song and the thing that stuck out to me when I started to sort of look into her music is just how much sort of religious symbolism was in her stuff because it's it's everywhere. It's in every song has some sort of 
um, some sort of religious element. And people back in the seventies, like she put out two albums, uh, before she died. And like, people did not really know what to do with that. Yeah. That, that may be part of the reason she is unappreciated. Maybe she was listed, uh, in, uh, on like, she was on the cover of Rolling Stone because she wrote a song called Lady O that she sold to a band called the Turtles. Uh, and she started to get some recognition from that. This was like before she started releasing albums, like actually really early in her career. So she was on the cover of Rolling Stone. And then she was also included in like this, the top 10 contemporary Christian artists magazine. Interesting. Uh, just because like people didn't really understand like what it was that she was going for, because it's not like it was like, uh, uh, you know, contemporary Christian music by any stretch of the imagin- imagination, but just the, the, the lyrics included so much of this like imagery. Um, and so when you go back and you look at her, like her origins, uh, her like very early childhood was, was pretty bad. She, uh, her dad died when she was young and, and then she met an older dude and they started like robbing places together and she got caught and sent to this reform school. And it was there that she started to, she was, um, hired as the church organist for this oh. reform school and started to learn like gospel music and stuff that would have like an enormous impression on, on her work moving forward. Um, and then like things got even worse. Her mom died. Uh, she was addicted to heroin and she started to like engage in more like criminal activities to pay for it. And then she ended up in jail. Oh and when gosh. she was in jail, her brother died. So like she didn't have a fa- like a family wow. connection anymore. Just all this, all this terrible stuff. And then as soon as she got out of jail, she was like, I'm going to start writing music because I, I think I have some stuff to say. Um, and she got like some recognition, like very, very early on. She was, uh, she played with Graham Nash and David Crosby on tour from Crosby, Sills and Nash. Um, and she sold that song. Uh, but when she started to like release records, uh, she, she worked with a producer named, uh, Henry Louie, who actually produced Joni Mitchell's music. And so like, I think there was this expectation like, oh yeah, she's the next, she's the next chosen one. But then her first album flopped and she started working on her second album, which is called Heart Food, uh, and like busted her ass on it, like wrote all these like beautiful, like string compositions and orchestral compositions. And she released that and it, flopped and then she got really frustrated and cut ties with her label uh and then she started to work on a third album and then she got in a car accident and uh had pain problems that she uh treated with drugs and then she died of a drug overdose oh my gosh. Uh, in 1979 um and the thing that was horrible is like she the small amount of fame that she had scrapped together from these two albums and the recognition that she had found like within the the, the music community uh it you know it only went so far and when she like dropped the the record label and kind of left like she just disappeared off the face of the earth yeah uh, and even today i would argue like nick drake i think people know more than more than her work um and but similarly like way way after she died like people started to talk about what an incredible impact that they had uh that that she had on them uh warren zevon is like always talking uh about about her work liz fair like a bunch of other people are like uh, and actually the way that i found her music was on this album called crayon angels that's just a cover album uh of of her songs and there's so many artists on there who are all like singing these these songs and it makes you realize just like what beautiful beautiful work she put together yeah and it's like sad it's bittersweet um and it's heavy, right? Like her songs explore these like really like theological and philosophical and like transcendental themes that like is probably why it didn't get a lot of radio play yeah. back in the day. But despite all that, 
She wrote some bops too. She wrote some absolute like bangers. I want to play one because it got heavy and sad there, but she wrote really, really good, really beautiful music and also really cool danceable jams. And this is one of those. It's called Soldier of the Heart. Judy Still is very, very talented, and uh, I'm glad I found her work, and yeah, I'm still... me too. I'm just, like, blown away that she is not... So I, when you think about the, the folk artists of the 70s, like, I don't think her name is traditionally, like, in the yeah. conversation. I think that's a shame, because I think what she did was unlike anything. I'm excited for all the people that love Joni Mitchell that are hearing this for the first time, because it's like... I don't know if you're if you're into Joni Mitchell, you would definitely be into Judy Sill. I think. I think I would say if you like any folk music from yeah, like that era, you are going to like Judy Sill because she made some of like I think some of the best of it. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear what our friends at home are talking about? Yes, please. <laughs> we got two. Uh, Amy says bread bowls. Am I right? <laughs> yes yes you are yeah Amy. god it's been so long since i've had a bread bowl we went uh we went to a trivia night at a bar here in town i got a bread bowl with a beer cheese and broccoli soup inside oh my god oh Wait, my god so this must have been a long time this ago. was a long time <laughs> we haven't been ago. a trivia in, in this years. was a long time obviously but that that is how big an impact this bread bowl of <laughs> you soup still remember made this bread bowl uh, Chris says, I work at a grocery store and I'm always excited about cans of veggies or soup that are tapered at the bottom so they stack together. The modularity is great for organization, but just really dang satisfying. Yes. Yes. Yes, 100%. Everything yes. needs to be stackable, folks. Yes. Everything does. Ice cream, like the good tubs of ice cream where like yeah. the bottom of the tub is mm-hmm. like exactly fits into mm-hmm. the... That's good shit. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Agreed. I'm just thinking about organizing things and neat stacks. I'm getting so excited. I like at grocery stores when they make little like castles out of like yeah Pepsi twelve packs or whatever. Uh huh. I like that. What do you like about grocery stores? Oh, I mean, sometimes there'll be people standing on the end of an aisle and they got like a little glass of wine for you. Yeah, and they're like, hey, try oh, our wine. Sometimes. And it's like, and it's like, it's like Sunday at one p.m. and they're just like, "Hey, hey, try this wine," and you're like, oh, "It's not even five o'clock." <laughs> I like when you go out of an aisle and somebody coming the other way doesn't stop and almost hits your car, and then they say, "God, I hope you don't drive like that." Oh, Griffin, that reminds me of your Disney World story. <laughs> told this story Do you want to tell it it's pretty great it was raining and we were walking from uh, for some reason we were at beach club even though that's not where we were staying we were walking back to epcot and uh it started to rain and so like i wanted to get henry out of the rain and so i was like pretty i was scooting i was scooting pretty fast and i was holding henry and i was holding an umbrella right and you were on quote the wrong side of the street let's say i was quote on the wrong side of the street right but in my defense i was trying to like keep my shit together and i was a good 30 feet away from this pack of uh, like four older ladies and uh one of them just shouted 30 feet away why do i gotta get out of the way of this dude (laughs) 
Like when you are holding a small child. I'm holding a two-year-old. You want people to give you a little bit of slack. And I was going to get out. We were 30. <laughs> we were not even fucking close to running into each other. And they were in the all, happiest place on earth. What was amazing was that she was obviously angry and she was with like a, a cohort of maybe three or four other people and they all they looked all angry. They all were like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Why do I got to get out of the way of this dude? <laughs> Uh, we should thank. Yeah, I gave it back to them, though, didn't I? Because we kept walking. Yes. And when I was like, well out of earshot, I was like, really? <laughs> you told them. I got them, didn't I? <laughs> we should thank Maximum Fun. We should. I first want to thank Bowen and Augustus for these oh, for a theme yes. song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Mm-hmm. And I hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, Max Fun is pretty good, too. Huh? Yes. Thank you, Maximum Fun, for hosting our show. Yeah, they have all kinds of great shows on their network. Like, stop podcasting yourself, and Mm -hmm. Can I Pet Your Dog, and Switchblade Sisters, and Story Break. And Inside Pop. And Inside Pop. And a bunch more at MaximumFun.org. We got other stuff at McElroy.Family. Hey, uh, we got tickets on sale. We got tickets on sale for some shows from Bim Bam and Taz. And you should come see us. Uh, What day is this coming out? Wednesday? Hey, Cleveland, get out there, huh? Come on and get some. Cincinnati, there's some for you, too. That's on tomorrow. So come on in, Ohio, and come say hey. And I bet you would even invite people from no, no, other states. Not, and not even from other cities. Columbus, you know what you did. <laughs> Akron, you sit right back down Whoa. in that chair. Yeah. yeah I don't, Nobody comes for Akron. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty gutsy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's it. I gotta go. I got an appointment. What's your appointment for? Mm, you know, it's for my, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's for a funny thing, but I don't want to say it on the show. I don't want to say it. Don't make me say it. Uh-huh. Um, don't, is, make me, don't make me say it. It's funny, but it's personal and private. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is it funny like earlier when you were telling that story? You can't even remember it. It was so unremarkable. (laughs) Sorry I failed you, everybody. Goodbye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome everyone to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles. So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying the competition. Isn't there anyone who can save us from this travesty? Wait, could it be? It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling. And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex. What a match! And the Tights and Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. 
Please, these hosts have families. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites.